Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Pod Street Bulls Podcast. With your hosts. Derek, How you gonna get it, Bobby? John. Johnny, you know, and producer, Nat. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. <laughs> What's not to love? Hey there, everybody. After a one-week hiatus, John Gove is back in the driver's seat. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's doing all right. I uh, just want to kick it over to my co-host, Derek Bob. Derek, how you doing, buddy? My back's a little sore um, uh, from yeah. carrying this show for the past week. But, uh, you know, having the mats on last week really helped ease that pain. But I'm just kidding, dude. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, our uh, our roster is about as consistent as the Flyers right now these days. Once again, <laughs> no Nat Marlowe. You just never know what's going to be on this show. That's the beauty of it, though, isn't it? Right. <laughs> That's a surprise what, every week. What's the thing that you never know what you're going to get? Oh, box, oh, of, box chocolates. of chocolates. Yeah. I never really liked that movie, Forrest Gump. Ah, dude. You just told me you don't want to get into an argument this week, and you're starting off by telling me you don't like Forrest Gump. I just feel like there's all these movies that, like, you're supposed to like. Like, you know, I feel like everybody – you're supposed to like the Adam Sandler movies. You're supposed to like Forrest Gump. And for some reason, when people say that, automatically turns me off total hipster total hipster move yep yeah you're right <laughs> the guy and that I'm screams about hating him, hipsters taking my straw hat and vinyl and moving to brooklyn see ya <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's get into it i we do have a pretty fun show today derek and i you know we decided to kind of stray from talking about the flyers games because quite frankly flyers games suck to watch uh they're yep. currently losing to the New Jersey Devils. We're recording Sunday at 8. It's 8.13 right now. What is it, 3-1, to one, Derek? Yes, it was 3-1 to one right about when I hit record. Um, the Devils scored their third goal, and uh, that's probably the last we're going to talk about that game because I don't want to get mad. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, even though there is some hockey to be played the rest of this season, everybody knows and has known for a long time this is not a playoff team. The Philadelphia Flyers have just continued to play an uninspiring brand of hockey that we wanted to switch things up and kind of talk about not on the ice, but off the ice and kind of dive into the locker room and leadership and all of that. Now, before we dive into it, I want to make one thing very clear. Yes. Derek and I are not in the locker room. We wouldn't even be allowed in the locker room if it was a normal year. So this is this is strictly speculation. This is strictly us taking what we're noticing, you know, through interviews, um, with press conferences, how they're acting on the ice, and speculating. Please it's, do not take anything we say as gospel. No, yeah, this is not any type of inside information. This has no bearing on our access to the team. Like this is literally two guys right here that have a passion for the game and this team, speculating on what could be the problem here. Nothing to do with, right. you know, facts. Um, you know, we'll get into something a little bit later that we'll talk about that was said on another show, but um, all speculation right. here, folks. 
please just take it as that. So when you look at this Flyers team on paper, right, they've got a pretty talented roster. I mean, I think some of the some of the talent we liked to inflate a little bit because, you know, we're homers, which is totally understandable. But still, on paper, this is a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. They're not performing that way this year, which makes you think that there's something else going on besides just the team needs more talent. And Derek, you know, what I've really noticed, and I think something that everybody brings up is this team just never looks hungry they never look like a team that is coming out and actually wants to win a hockey game I completely agree and I think we saw it as early as the third game of the year when Sean Couturier went down with his injury in the second game of the year Um, the team came out playing completely uninspired hockey it was a forewarning essentially because even after he came back, everybody's like, "Our one C is back. We're gonna. This is gonna solve all the problems." It didn't. <laughs> it did not solve all the problems. And yes, the Flyers were finding ways to win games, and that's great. You can only find a way to win so many games before your real problems catch up to you. And they caught up very quickly to this team, as evidenced by the fact that I think the last time I checked, they had a point one percent chance. Of making the playoffs so we know where that road led I think the thing that really amazes me is how this team always manages to come out of the gate flat to start a game mm-hmm. I just feel like their first periods typically are always awful and I always wondered you know when you think about starting a game right and getting hype I almost would imagine your energy to be at its highest in those opening minutes think back to like you play you played basketball you coach basketball right right so right yeah you want to get your kids pumped up played and coach when you played basketball though because i played basketball i played a a myriad of sports i always had a certain playlist and i'm I'm a music guy so you had your songs that got you pumped up it's like if i want to listen to dmx god rest his soul that's going to get me pumped up Right. It sounds like, or it at least seems like, this team is in the locker room hanging out to some Mozart, maybe jazz even flute. some jazz flute, Ron Burgundy, um, you know, listening to some Frank Sinatra. Like, this right. team isn't coming out of the gates the way that any team should. And right. sure, maybe some people get pumped up listening to Sinatra, whatever. <laughs> I, I find that very hard to believe. But this team, you're completely correct here. They come out flat almost every single game. It's almost like, I mean, and now, of course, it's different because their playoff hopes are over. I almost expect them to not be inspired. But it's almost like they were coming out every game and just being like, we got to do this again. Like, another day at the office. And that mentality is just not going to win you hockey games. I mean, luckily, they found ways to come back and win. But it's also proven that that's not going to happen every night, especially against really good teams. So I almost just want to like dive right into this and just be like, what's going on in this locker room that's making this team, I don't know, act or not act the way they are on the ice? You really don't want this to go over an hour, though, do you? <laughs> because we could stay here no, and talk I this mean, all I... night. <laughs> well, but I think that like this conversation can take multiple angles. And I and I have an interesting 
route that I want to take. But first, I, I kind of want to throw it to you, especially because there was something that was said by an ex-player that I, I mean, you kind of brought it to my attention. So I was wondering if maybe you wanted to take it there. Yeah, I originally looked at this piece that was published on letsgoflyers.net. Um, you know, as credible as you want to <laughs> uh, make them out to be. But these seem like direct quotes, and I wanted to take it in a different direction, but then John said, hey, let's take it in this direction, which is the direction we're going to go tonight, which I think is much better suited for this type of episode. Dale Weiss came out and said some things earlier in the season that weren't really jabs, but you kind of got a sense that he might be a little bit bitter about being traded. Then he comes out and says something like this, quote, You know I talked about Philly's culture and Philly's locker room, and that was something I saw very apparent there. There was zero accountability. It wasn't coming from the coaching staff. It wasn't coming from the leadership group. It was basically a free-for-all. And it's a comparison to, or end quote, I should say, and it's a comparison to the leadership in the Montreal Canadiens locker room where he is now. Shea Weber being the captain, he says if it happens in his locker room, it's not going to happen. Like, it would just get nipped in the bud right away. So... You know, that right there, you could compare and contrast the captaincies there. Shea Weber seems like a guy that commands respect. Giroux maybe not so much, but regardless, your leaders are your leaders for a reason. And there's all different types and different styles of leadership, but it seems like the one in Philadelphia might not be working. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, I 100% believe that Claude Drew holds himself accountable, right? He mm-hmm. might not be upfront about it, but the guy's too good of a player not to. But in order to be a, a good leader, though, you need to be able to hold other people in the locker room accountable too. And you need to have this, this fire when things aren't going right. And you need to be on the ice being inspiring. And I just... I, I don't see that with him. I just, these days, I kind of just see a very neutral hockey player that's kind of just coming out and doing the best he can. But I just need to see a little bit more from the captain. But I don't think that this jab, if we want to call it that, was just necessarily towards Claude Giroux. If you look at all of the leaders, all the veterans, they all kind of just have this complacency about them. Yeah, it... it... With Giroux's situation in particular, and I'll compare it to somewhat of my situation at work. Like, I'm supposed to be a project manager at my job. But Mm -hmm. a project manager typically isn't the one that's always out there doing the work. You know, they're making sure that all the pieces are in place. I'm out there doing all the work. So, with Giroux... He's expected to be this leader, but he's also got to be the one that's got to get in there and get his hands dirty. We're like, yes, you know, all the players need to pitch in. All the players need to do that. But it's like there should be other guys that are going to step up because of the leadership being provided to them by a guy like Giroux. So you almost want you almost, your expectations, I should say, of Giroux are up here where right. maybe they should be a little further down because it's like, We've seen Giroux at his best. We've seen the fire and we've seen the passion in his eyes during some of some of these games this year, but sure. definitely in the past, you've seen it. You know, that grit your teeth, like excited. Um, but how often do you see that this year? And maybe it is because it's just a waste of a year. Like, I mean, we talked about it last week with uh, Hoagie and Matt Casey about 
the Wyshynski tweet and everybody just is looking to get past this year. Right. That I just I hate the fact that that's even used as an excuse because it's still a season of hockey. Well, and you also, you know, you bring up an interesting interesting point too, where it's not just the leader; people need to respond to it as well. Of right? course. Like with my job, I teach children, right, and I need to be able to motivate them to do well. And guess what? That doesn't always work, right? They're not always all hoorah, ready to learn about long division or, or, you know, they're not all ready to give 100% all the time. I can't imagine why. (laughs) (laughs) And part of what I then need to do and go, I mean, what I need to do is go, okay, they're not responding. One, is there anything I can do about that? Mm -hmm. And two, if not, then what are the next steps? And I think that when you in Chuck Fletcher or Elaine Vigneault's position, right, you need to kind of figure out, is it the leadership or is it the people res- not responding to the leadership? Is it people like Travis Konechny? Now I'm literally just taking his name and pulling it out of a hat. There's nothing. It's a good example. Shows. Right. Is there, um, you know, players like Travis Konechny that are just like, yeah, whatever. Like, sure, you know, whatever you say, Claude, whatever you say, Jake, you know, I'm going to go out there and do my thing because that changes how you approach this off season. If it's not the leadership, right? It's the people, the other people in the locker room, then it doesn't matter who the leader is, right? They're most likely going to act the same way. So it's just a very interesting dynamic. It is. I mean, you saw it and I wanted to bring this point up later, but I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for it. You see it manifest itself in games like the March 29th game against Buffalo where Elaine Vigneault didn't go into the locker room during the intermissions. And then you later come to find out that the person, one of the persons I should say, I think there were two, but I don't know the second, one of the guys that stepped up and led the discussion and led the talks was Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton isn't even wearing an A. So. Yes, he's one of the longer tenured flyers and a guy that probably some of the younger younger guys look up to, which rightfully so, he plays like a flyer. Right. But that's a position you'd expect a guy like Giroux, Voracek, even Couturier to some extent, you know, he seems to have a quiet demeanor about him, but you know, again, we aren't in the locker room. We can't tell you what we what they see in there. It's it's almost there's two sides to it. It's frustrating because it's Lawton that's speaking up, but it's also encouraging because it's like that guy wants to. Like he's got the urge to step up and say something and lead the discussion and talk about what's happening with this team. Right. I mean, but isn't it concerning? Like, oh, absolutely. A part of me is just like, how is this even a conversation? You know, these people are competitive, competitors by nature. Right. You think they would want to go out and win every night. And you have a group that literally just doesn't look like they give a crap. It's it's such a tough thing for me to wrap my head around because your job is a professional athlete. But you're getting paid millions of dollars to go out and win. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to go out and win, but I at least want to watch a game where it looks like you're doing everything possible to do so. And the fact that you can find a whole team full of people that just look like they don't care, it it's insane to me. 
it comes to mind that let's just say hypothetically, and I don't know what this all entails, but you're Claude Giroux and you've taken multiple approaches in trying to get this team motivated, get this team playing with a spark and going out there and competing night in and night out. Everything you've done has not worked. What are you supposed to do? Like you've pulled out all the tricks. You pulled out all the stops. You've done everything in your being that you could possibly do. And nothing has worked. Does that, is that an indictment on the type of leader that you are, or is it an indictment on the locker room that surrounds you? Right. Well, and also, Derek, it doesn't help when players do speak out, a la Shane Gossis Bear, mm-hmm. and then you put them on waivers. Yeah, but that's a discussion when we talk about management. I feel like that could bleed into this a I, I mean, I think bit. it. I think in a way it does, and let's not go too much into the management side of, of things, right? But when you but when you're trying to establish a culture, or at least maybe you're not trying to establish a culture, but when you would like for <laughs> players to be held accountable, and you've got someone <laughs> trying to hold them accountable, and then you go and you put them on ra- waivers, regardless if your reasoning has nothing to do with that, the message that it sends is we don't want to hear it. <laughs> yep. And that's, I mean, that's basically saying, hush, hush, shut your mouth. This is what right. we're going to do to you when that happens. And what type of message is that? <laughs> right. And I mean, it kind of makes you think about the motivation of, and I guess this does go into a little bit of the management side, but I do think this is a really interesting conversation. You really want to start to wonder the motivation of the organization itself, right? You would like to think it's winning, But you almost wonder these days if it's more about entertainment in different ways and making your money that way. And the conversation that I want to have starts with Gritty. I'm so glad this is where it's going. That's where I thought it was going. Let's do this. Gritty (laughs) is a fantastic mascot. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that he's a part of the Flyers. But I feel like since... He's kind of become so popular. The Flyers organization, or at least the the public relations, I guess, it's more about what Gritty's doing, what sound bites Kevin Hayes has to say, what stupid little meme is Travis Konechny going to have. Like, my wife sees more things on Instagram about, like, who eats what in their, you know, in their house or what video games they play than you would think are possibly imaginable. And I feel like the Flyers have taken this and just completely made it everything, right? It's all about social media and just kind of like getting those quick laughs and popularity likes. It's uh, it's clout chasing. That's what it right. is. It's clout chasing at a level in which you typically don't see in pro sports like with an organization. You see it all the time with people that, you know, run blogs, people that want to make a name for themselves by, you know, just being outrageous on social media. You see it all the time. We've both seen it. But right. The bit like the boiling point for me was seeing the initial ad for hockey fights, cancer night for the flyers. And it's been discussed amongst a million different podcasts that cover the flyers. Mm -hmm. I've heard them. and, And I completely agree 
but the initial ad, the Flyers, this was a foolproof, just the way it went down, I couldn't, I'm literally speechless right now. I don't know how to even explain my thoughts on this because Oscar Lindblom is the face of Hockey Fights Cancer for the Flyers. The man right. beat Ewing's sarcoma all within one right. season and came back and played in the playoffs. And then you go and put Gritty on your graphic to plug on social media for Hockey Fights Cancer. You clearly see where this organization's priorities lie. Because not only was it that, but you see it every single game. Flyers go down 5-1. Right. to one. Here's a video of Gritty throwing a dodgeball at a Devils fan. You know, here's right. a video of Gritty on a slip and slide. Here's him skiing down Mount Rushmore. Like, I, that obviously sounds stupid, but that's the type of stuff <laughs> you expect because it's just outrageous. It's almost like they're they're gearing all of their attention to the people who actually aren't watching the game. Yeah, it's the casual it's like, fans. It's the people following them on social media. It's not the ones who are actually sitting down to watch the hockey game. You know, you'd think branding, right? Branding and and marketing and all that is to kind of support what you're doing on the ice, right? To try to get more viewers to what you're doing on the ice. They're literally just marketing and branding because they think that's what's going to get them their money. Yeah. I mean – Gritties, you know, they're probably going to sell more gritty jerseys these days than any actual player. And again, and I, we spend a lot of time talking about gritty, but like you think of Kevin Hayes, right? Kevin mm -hmm. Hayes was playing great, but it's like now we mic him up for every damn game because we're hoping that he says something witty or something, you know, stupid or something that can turn into a thousand memes or gifs or whatever. It's like, we're finding these people who are characters so we can plug them, you know, in, on social media or sound bites and things like that. And if that's the direction that this team is going, we're in more trouble than you'd think. Look, I'm just as excited to hear Kevin Hayes scream kata hot, you know, for the 300th time as the next guy. You know, I can't right. wait to hear him say, now you're going to get it, Bobby, you know, but... <laughs> Jesus, how many times do we have to hear it, you know? I, <laughs> the product on the ice sucks, so now their move is, let's just entertain people. It's like, I don't want to be entertained. Personally, as a fan, I, I right. don't want to be entertained by their social media. I want to be entertained by the product on the ice. And that's what infuriates me. And Giroux, it looks like, scored a pair of goals here within the past like minute, so it's tied up right now, which is fantastic. We were just talking about the type of leader Giroux is. Nice. You're seeing a glimpse there. Right. Um, but back to the point. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, and you think, too, like these players that aren't performing, maybe you go, hey, you know what? Maybe we're demanding too much of them on this other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We need to keep them away from the microphones and, and the cameras because we need to just focus on the hockey side of things. And that's just not happening. Now, all these videos and stuff, and let's go back to the example you used with Kevin Hayes. All these videos and montages of him saying these funny things. I used to ref, Phil Myers looks like a leaf feeder, kind of right. hot, all that good stuff. Does that seem like a reward to somebody? Like, 
hey, man, you played so well last year. We're going to give you like your own little YouTube clip. And then you see this guy playing not not great, you know, right now. Right. And he's still kind of being rewarded for that. It's like you're being rewarded for bad plays. It's like feature the guys that are actually going out there and playing. You know, give me a mic'd up with Wade Allison one of these games because he's been playing pretty solid. Give right. me Jackson Cates on his first game. I want to hear, you know, if he's a vocal guy and is going through his thoughts, I want to hear what he's going to say during that game. Well, the see, and that makes a difference, though, because right, you as a as someone who enjoys the game of hockey want to hear his reactions, right? Mm-hmm. You want to hear kind of what he's saying, who what he says to other people, maybe what he's even saying as he's going down the ice or whatever, or his reaction to scoring a goal or something. That's not what the Flyers are going for. And I mean, and you know, I guess it would the PR. I, I don't even know what you would marketing. Yeah, PR and they marketing. Want, they're marketing the team in a certain way. Right. They want something that's going to make somebody laugh. Right. They're giving Kevin Hayes these mic'd up opportunities, not so you can hear what he would normally do on the ice. They want him to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. So it's. I don't know. I, I just feel like it is 100% just for entertainment purposes, and I get it, right? These things, I guess that's why you would do them, but I just feel like it's it wouldn't be a big deal if it wasn't taking away from what this team is capable of doing, and I just can't help but think that it is taking away from what this team is capable of doing, that this has just become a dog and pony show. It absolutely has. I mean, because... It goes back to gritty. Everything has been centered around gritty. Things started going downhill. Let's make people laugh with the stupid stuff that our mascot does. Lest we forget, when they first came out with gritty, we all hated them. Everyone hated gritty until the rest of the world started making fun of him. Then it's like, no, that's our gritty, and you guys are dumb for not liking him. So it's like, we're now... It's been... I don't know if you're a, a... a big enough wrestling fan like I am because I'm a total dork. It's like mm-hmm. the face turn and the heel turn with like the guy Big Show used to be in the WWE. Yeah. Constant. Yep. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Right. Is he a bad guy? That's what this feels like right now. Like I don't want to hate Gritty, but this team is making me hate Gritty. I tweeted right. that out a couple of days ago. I'm getting furious with it because I want to be, again, entertained by the product on the ice. I don't want the mascot to have to come in and say, hey, wait, Derek, let me just, uh, you know, do something stupid to make you laugh. Like, no, it doesn't make me laugh anymore. I just sink my head further into my hands with disappointment. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. And I mean, I think we said enough on that, too. Mm -hmm. But what do you do now? So after this year, right, there's going to be a lot that needs to be assessed. But part of what this team needs to assess is what are we doing not on the ice that or not doing um, that kind of played a part in all of this? And then what what do you do? Like what happens? There's going to be a big decision that needs to be made here. And it's going to come down to either addressing the need that you have on defense or the core. Now, I've busted Chuck Fletcher's balls about this because, you know, we can't make any moves, flat cap era, da-da-da-da-da, all these excuses. But to an extent, he's right with this flat cap because they're, you're not going to be able to move 
big money contracts unless you give up a lot. You know, right. it, think about the Bacchus deal last season where they had to give up a first round pick just to get Kasha back in return from Anaheim. Um, you either are going to end up blowing up the core and neglecting the need you have on the blue line, or you're going to address that need on the blue line and let this core continue to quote unquote run rampant over this locker room. Um, so Derek, can I pause you really quick? Cause sure. I do have a question to kind of go with that. Of course. So say they address the defense instead of doing something to the core. Okay. In your mind, do you feel like then that Chuck Fletcher and whoever else makes these decisions, you know, Lane Vigneault too, aren't actually concerned about the leadership and the culture, I guess, in a way? In so many words, um, you could also consider it the last straw. Um, you know, if they go into next season having addressed defense, not worrying about the core, and these similar, I should say, similar problems persist, um, then you're going to know that it's the core. Um, right. If the defense at least appears to be better and the numbers look better, they're allowing less goals, blocking more shots, whatever you might want to say about that, then you're going to find out the proof is in the pudding, it's the core, it's time to blow it up. By then it might be too late because you're... After next season, you have to worry about an extension to Sean Couturier, what you're going to do with Claude Giroux. It might make things easier if it is Giroux that's the problem. Like Again, speculation, right. not saying that's the case. But right. it, there's two blades to that sword, and you're going to have to fall on one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look at I look at this in a few ways. I totally get what you're saying with the, the defense and the core, but I almost look at the defense as like, you just need more talent there. Like that's not even, that's not even like a, a locker room culture thing. Like your defense just needs to be better. Right. Absolutely. So you need to go out and, and improve the defense. So I actually look at that separately and I almost look at that as a different episode, right? Like mm -hmm. that needs to be improved because of the skill. If you're talking strictly about the locker room, I kind of mentioned it before. I need Chuck Fletcher to either take a piece of leadership and move him or take a supporting cast. Who's not responding to the leadership and move him, mm -hmm. you know, and I know it's not the easiest thing to do in a flat cap era. I totally get that. But it's like you either have got to go, and I'm not going to even put Claude Giroux there, but you got to look at the Jake Voracek's of the world and go, mm -hmm. this guy's supposed to be a leader. If he's not doing it and we're missing something, then I've got to find something to replace him. Maybe yeah. you can't get rid of him, but you got to find a way to replace him. But if it's the Travis Konechny's of the world, right? And I say him again because he's probably – one of the most suspect, I, you know, he seems like somebody who could tell you to go F yourself. Oh, of course. Um, and then make a meme out you of know, it. <laughs> right. And he's also probably a player that would still give you a lot of value. So mm -hmm. I, I really think that he's got to look at both casts of characters and either pick one. I mean, he's got to pick one from one of the groups, you know. I just think so, a message needs to be made to what of whatever group is causing the problem. Absolutely. I mean, in any sense of what we're talking about, something needs to be addressed to fix a problem. And that's, 
you hate to see it be the leadership because all of us have grown sentimentally attached, if you want to call it that, to a guy like Giroud because he's been our captain for so long. He's performed very well. Right. You know, you don't want to admit it that he could be the problem. Voracek even, a lot of people, you know, like him a lot. A lot of people have grown fond of him. If he's the problem, right. though, and you are a supporter of the Flyers, then you should support moving him out. And it comes at it comes at a decent time because you do have the expansion draft. That is an option. If Fletcher wanted to make sure that he could get a player gone and off the books, that's the time to do it. it right. It's going to take more than just saying, here's Seattle, they're exposed, take them. Like You're going to have to make a right. backdoor deal um, for that type of cap. But it's not impossible like Fletcher's made boneheaded decisions during expansion drafts before I covered that on a piece where you know Halla and Alex Tuck were both Vegas Golden Knights because he wanted to protect Jared Spurgeon um it's (laughs) I don't necessarily trust him in that regard but you know hey we'll see what happens when it happens but the leadership is obviously the easiest part of the team to blame for something like this but there's reason to believe it could go above leadership. There's reason to believe we could be talking about a problem within the organization itself with the brass. Uh, a guy like Dave right. Scott, who runs Comcast Spectacore, he's all about the almighty dollar. We know that. Comcast right. is all about the almighty dollar. So there's going to be some decisions made by Chuck Fletcher that you look at it and you're like, what the hell? probably came from above him right yeah i do want to go back to the roster really quick because i just kind of had one of these moments in my head where i was like i think it's not as like black and white as we sometimes want to talk about where it's like jake voracek he he's supposed to be a leader of this team he's not a leader of this team hey we want him to be because of the amount of money he's making and i totally get that but i also think part of what needs to happen is going okay who is it just that's just not in their DNA? Like I, I look at Ivan Provorov, right? Yep. Ivan Provorov is always gonna be a minute minutes eater for this team. I'm never gonna deny, you know, the amount of effort that he puts on the ice. But we've made him our number one defenseman. Yep. In our mind, he's our number one defenseman. It's one of those moments where you've got to go, but is he really though? Is he like, a Batman or is he a Robin? Right. And it's not a bad thing if he's a Robin. It's okay. He can he might even be a better Robin than a Batman. But mm-hmm. organization almost has to do that with everybody and go, what are we asking of them? Is that just not who they are? Okay, if that's not who they are, you don't necessarily have to replace them. You just have to find something you know, or get rid of them. You just have to be able to kind of shift their peg and move another peg elsewhere. You find the perfect complement for him. To be his Batman. Right. Right. You know, and same thing with Jake Voracek. Like, I, again, the money. Mm-hmm. I get it. But, like, if he's not going to be what you're demanding of him and you can't move him, <laughs> you've got to just find a way to slide him down and put somebody else up. Not keep relying on him to do something he's just not going to do because of how much you're paying him. But, I mean, if we're talking about sliding him down the lineup, like, are you going to want to pay a third-line winger that type of money? You know what I mean? Well, 
obviously not. And I mean, I'm all for trading Jake Voracek or having him, you know, taken in to, you know, go to Seattle. <laughs> but we also don't know if that's going to be the case, right? And like, yeah. I'm just saying that if you can't get rid of him, you still that doesn't mean that you can just keep saying, okay, I need you to be our number, our number one guy on the wing. You're banging your going. head against a brick wall at that point. Right. And you're going to have to be more creative. And I get that. Yep. But I mean, we it, don't know if he's going to be movable. Yeah. And the thing is, I say that, you know, everybody's movable. Like, sure. But at what cost? Is the cost worth it to make sure that you can move a guy like Jake Voracek? Are you going to have to give up three first-round picks? Are you going to have to give up right. the prospect, the you know, all that type of stuff? It's... It could be a ridiculous overpayment just to free up $8 million. And, hey, that's $8 million. You know, that's great because if you need a defenseman that's going to play with Provorov on the top pair, $8 million might do it, but at right. what cost? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You, you almost say nobody's, you, you know, unmovable except for maybe this year or the yeah. next few years because of the, the cap. I think Jesper Brat just had a ridiculous move in the shootout. And it's going to sudden death. I uh, do oh, doubt wow. it. Yeah, uh, Giroux had two goals, twenty-two seconds apart, to force overtime, and then scored the opening in the shootout. Then Couturier, uh, both five-hole goals on Mackenzie Blackwood. So suck it, Devils fans. Lawton just got beat. Lawton just got stopped by Blackwood, though. As I say that, um, she mm. won five-hole. You know that worked for the first two. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's all right. I mean, I, I really don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about this, but it just I think it starts the conversation that Chuck, Chuck Fletcher is going to have a very complicated offseason. This is not just about finding better talent. This is about assessing the talent that you have and seeing if it works. And sometimes you don't know the answers to that right away. So we're all going to kill him. Whatever movie makes you're going to be pissed. <laughs> But I do not envy this guy this offseason because he's got to essentially work magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we just got done talking about Voracek. But just to, if you're okay with revisiting this just for a second, I want to bring sure. up a point. If your leadership is the problem, but within mm. that leadership, like, if it's part of the problem, like, it has to go higher. Like it needs to be a need that need that should be addressed by somebody else. And if Chuck Fletcher, Dave Scott, you know, whoever, A V, if they fail to address that, then it falls on their shoulders. Oh, totally. I mean, look at who A V constantly calls out. Mm -hmm. He's never yeah. calling out the leadership. He's calling out the young guys. Yeah. Carter Hart, prime example. And I'm getting the you know what's with that type of stuff because you know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Hart. Yes, he's played bad, but, like, come on, man. You, you just right. keep shoveling him the same crap and just got to be better. Guys play better in front of Elliot. Da, 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 da. It's like, of course they do, but, you know, does this guy need to keep hearing that ringing in his head when he's going right. through I mean, these bouts? And you see it with all the young players. I feel like he's very quick to be very specific about young players but then it's like the leadership has to get better and it's like what player if if any veteran or youngster wants to hear that you right. know you want to constantly be ridden about you know your performance 
oh, well, they should be playing better. It's like, okay, I get that. But at the same rate, when you keep hearing that in your ear, you know, your coach doesn't have faith in you. Your coach doesn't think that you're playing a good game. What what does that do to your confidence? And you could argue uh, you're mentally soft. Uh, it doesn't matter. When you keep hearing the same thing over and over again, you're going to start to believe it, you know? Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Leadership goes further than the players. You know, I mean, you could switch up this entire core and make all these changes but if the leadership by the coaching staff isn't what you want it to be then you still have a problem you know and, and I think with me though with Elaine Vigneault and all the important players in the coaching staff which to me is just Elaine Vigneault to be honest with you um, after such a good year last year I need more than just this season to be like nope it's not working yeah, we've seen the good. Now we've seen the bad. Right. You know, let's hope and there's not an about, ugly. How does he respond? <laughs> exactly. Right. It's there's one guy that I'd be like pack it AV for. Mm-hmm. Rod the bod, baby. I was gonna say. I, I figured that was coming. I I've read some things. You on want that. somebody? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, you want somebody to turn the culture around in this team? <laughs> there you go. That dude could probably I mean, kick the living hell out of 99% of this locker room. So that right, would be enough. Mean, he even gives 100% effort to sleeping. Like, that guy just doesn't do anything <laughs> half-ass. Like, on the drive to work, he's like, what's the most efficient way to get to work? Okay, I'm going to get into the left exactly. lane, ride it for about 2.3 miles. Then i got to get back <laughs> over to the right lane. The man... <laughs> If he goes to bed with earmuffs and those the blinders on, <laughs> he's got like the temp, the the blanket at the right temperature. Don't you mess with my edges! His, God damn it! His sleep number set at seventy eight. Someone turns it to seventy nine. He notices right away. Right. <laughs> like just hops up. Nope, seventy nine. Like, who get changed up. my bed? Got to dust off my feet again. Oh, that's so yeah. Like that kind of took a turn, but I bet you he'd be a good basket weaver too. Very meticulous. You'll have to let me know about that. You're the basket weaving guy. I'm just the, the guy I... that puts up with your BS stories. <laughs> yeah, well. Good news, though. All right. so Elliot I, I did guess... stop Heesher, and the Flyers won in a shootout. Good. Yeah, do you still have... get excited when they win? Yeah, I do. Um, for I don't. different reasons. Like, I'm happy. I, maybe I shouldn't say excited. I'm happy. I'm happy that they won. Um, it just doesn't mean much right now, you know? To to me, every every win is it's like giving them more hope that maybe they can just turn it around next year. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like I want a better chance at the draft lottery. I want them to trade their first round pick. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want that. Well, hey, a higher draft so pick can get them more in a trade. I just don't want any hope. Think about it. You know, Speaking of hope, you want to hear oh, something funny? Don't tell me about one of the girls you met Before in college. Before we go. No. <laughs> I didn't know anybody named Hope. Okay, that's fair. So <laughs> I was teaching, and we were getting ready to read a book, um, a, a new novel. And typically the first day that you like get ready to start this novel, you don't even read it. You do like these pre-novel exercises, right? So there were a few questions that were on this worksheet that were like true or false. And they were all about the theme of the story. And we're reading Flora and Ulysses. Um, no it's idea about a girl and a squirrel. Yeah, I figured ah, you didn't. I don't read. But anyway, 
one of the questions is true or false is, is it wise to have hope? Okay, now these are fourth graders. So most of them, of course, are like, yeah, it's wise to have hope. You know, if you don't have hope, then what's the point? Well, a group of them were like, having hope is stupid because if you if you are hopeful and you get disappointed, you know, you're just going to get upset. And I'm like, that's yeah. such a bad way to think about what? things when you're in fourth grade. That's what perspective <laughs> like, is. That's perspective. <laughs> But it was all like, I don't want my feelings hurt. I don't want my feelings hurt. And, you know, I, part of me, I got to, you know, establish a little grit here. So I went, girls, I hate to break it to you, but sometimes life is like a fart. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and the minute I said that, I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> I mean, the girls are looking at me like, what did you just say? <laughs> if you're going to connect with a fourth grader, like that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, bunch of fourth grade girls telling them life is like a fart. I, I mean, said to them, maybe we'll just forget I said that. They're like, nope, not forgetting you said that. Thirty years old, it rings true to me. <laughs> right, but again, I know you know my mind is like a fourth grader's. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I think I think after the fart uh, fart story, we're about done. Yeah, yeah. Did you say so? About forty five minutes in, I think we cut this one short for a good reason because. You know, what is the? Yeah. We're not going to spend 15 minutes at the beginning of the show talking about the actual hockey that's going on because who cares? <laughs> nope. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about who they're going to play next, but who really cares? This kind of stinks. There's like other... I'm used to staying up here for two beers. I only had one. But you well, know, you just shotgun one at the end. I don't know about shotgun and a perpetual. Mm. You know, I can't shotgun beers because I literally screw it up. Like I, I never poke the hole enough or I poke it too much. And it's just uh, like, I'm drinking a beer through a cut thing. And like, this just uh, isn't right. I'm not getting the geyser effect. <laughs> I think I made a, I should say bad impression. I mean, we, Tasha and I were already married, but we were at a quick story time. I'll make it quick. I promise. Um, <laughs> we had a party for her cousin who was getting engaged and the guy that she was getting engaged to owns a bar he's a drinker so obviously me and him get along and we're in their driveway and everybody's like family shotgun and i'm like yes i'm in because i don't have to drive home so you know it's me my two brother-in-laws and then my father-in-law and then my sister-in-law because she's a partier and we have a good time so you know everybody's like okay go and my wife's recording it and i finished mine within like a second and a half to two seconds because you know that's what college does to you humble brag yeah, humble brag you know but as a dad <laughs> now it's like if my kid ever listens to this when he's my age he'll be like geez dad um right at the end of the video you can hear my wife saying oh my god derek are you kidding me <laughs> and like i'm looking around as i'm done and like my father-in-law is still going and then he looks at me and i'm like oh crap like he now there's definite judgment going on here and my one brother-in-law is not done yet my other one's finishing up and I'm just looking around like, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you didn't get the memo you're supposed to lose? Listen, it's in my nature to be competitive. And I'm not about to lose in you a chugging competition. You're right. I'm not a bleeping flyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, Derek, why don't you tell the people where you can find us? All right, folks. You can find 
Do you want to? Do you want me to say? Just tell me. Just tell. Just say everything. But everything. Just say everything you want to say, and then I'll say what you don't. Well, where do I start? So, January second, nineteen ninety one. It was a cold, wintry night. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, you can find the podcast on all your major podcasting platforms. That includes Apple Music, not Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, sure, whatever. Search us, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Anchor, Stitcher. John's favorite, if you'd like to take this one. I found us on a new one. It's called CastBox. CastBox as well. You're right. I've never heard of it, but we've got like eight subscribers on that one. Pretty cool. Hey, all right. Nice. Podmunger's cool too. I was going to say, that's the one I was hinting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Podmunger's cool too. No new deals there? Nothing, you know? No. Okay. No, I I got nothing. Gotcha. I got to pee. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me make this quick then. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Pod Street Bob. John's on Twitter. You can find him at Pod Street Gove. You can find the Pod Street Bullies on Twitter at Pod SD Bullies. You can find all of our written work, superbly written work, at podsdbullies.com. Check us out. Check the articles out. Back to you, John. Thanks, Derek. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy your week. All right. Um, maybe don't watch the Flyer game. Enjoy it a little bit more. And we'll talk to you later. Bye now. Let's go Flyers.